What is the main number one recurring question that audiences ask you? What do you hear again and again and again, whether you're in North America, South America, or Timbuktu? Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Andy Dooley and my brother Mike. And uh, no, um, we're confusing everybody, including ourselves. Happy Monday. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up. Um, I'm honored and so happy that my little baby brother, six years younger, um, behaves 36 years younger, is visiting from Colorado. And uh, we've had a nice weekend socializing, distancing. Actually, this is the closest we've been uh, <laughs> in three or four days. He's in town speaking uh, a keynote for Toastmasters District 47. He's, a, he's the big shot now, entertaining the entertainers. But before he jumps back on a plane and goes to Colorado, hey, Andy, say hi. Say hey, hi. hey, thanks, Mike, for having me on. Hey, followers, fans, uh, it's awesome to be here. Yay. So uh, Andy, if you don't know, um, incorporated Tut Enterprises, Inc. with me and my mother in 1989. And Tut Enterprises, Inc. still going strong after all of these Decades. I can hardly believe the incarnations it's had in this lifetime. Um, and we are both now, respectively, speaking to our own audiences, writing our own books, delivering our own programs. Um, and it's all about the metaphysics and underlying truths that make life in this, this paradise possible. So I thought, hmm, we thought together, hmm, what should we share today during this tune-up? Uh, thanks for all the engagement, really makes a difference. Lots of love to you all. Um, I thought I would ask him a question about, he does a lot of life coaching and has for almost 20 years, uh, a lot of speaking to audiences on sim similar topics. So here's three <clears throat> questions, Andy, I'm gonna ask you, given your track record and profound wisdom. Thank you. Number one, what is the main number one recurring question that audiences ask you? What do you hear again and again and again, whether you're in North America, South America, or Timbuktu? Well, especially in Timbuktu, this question is at the top. Uh, and how do you manifest faster? Like, hurry up and manifest. Why is it taking so long? Maybe you can relate to uh, asking that question and wondering. And so the million dollar answer is, is stop trying to manifest faster and enjoy where you're at. Lighten up on yourself, have more fun, get happy first, and then you manifest your dreams faster uh, second. So it's, it's all about getting into that feeling space of feeling good. Right, yeah, good. right? Good. Stop, Seriously, you need Damn. to write that down because Mike's having trouble manifesting. <laughs> Great. 
Would you like to know the number one question I get? What is the number uh, one question you get, Mike? The number one question I get is from people who hear me hammer, thoughts become things, thoughts become things. It's the end all be all. And they're like, but, but what if my thoughts are positive, but I'm surrounded by negative people? That's the number one question yeah. I get. And my answer is always, don't worry. You are not vulnerable. You are inclined to succeed. Even if you worry on your own without other people, you're going to blow the lid off of this joint. If you also maintain a little bit of positivity and baby steps uh, every single day. So don't worry that you worry and don't worry that you're surrounded by turkeys. <laughs> Enjoy them for who they are. They obviously have a lot of good characteristics. Right. Um, and so rock and roll. Here's I'll say another thing about that is your desires are between you and the universe, not between you and your partner and then the universe. There's no middleman. You got what you want. Focus on that. Don't let the other person get in the way between you and the universe. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Second <laughs> major question for regaining our power. Andy Dooley, what is the biggest challenge your clients face? Now, they often think one thing is the challenge, and that's where their question comes from. But in reality, what is the biggest challenge your coaching clients face? It's reality. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. It's allowing the reality that, that we're living to dictate how we feel. And so we allow uh, reality to consume us, the day-to-day -day problems, the challenges, our focuses are primarily on what's wrong instead of what's right. And so therefore we activate that, that vibration of frustration and then we keep getting more of what we don't want. So we've gotta get beyond reality. Remember, we're the ones creating reality. This isn't just woo-woo talk. This is you are really creating your reality and stop letting reality dictate how you feel. Jeez. Would you like to know my answer? Yeah. Oh, good. What do you oh, have good. to say about that, Mike? I think this is life's <laughs> ultimate hook that Andy was just speaking to. And that <clears throat> is we react to the illusions around us instead of realizing we're creating them, constantly streaming them into place every day. As I shared in my very first spiritual tune-up, we eat of the forbidden fruit in this Garden of Eden. And every day we perpetuate our powerlessness over the illusions. So the ultimate hook in life, I mean, the holy grail, if you will, is being able to hold a thought in your mind in spite of the illusions, and then to some small degree every day, move with that thought, even though it contradicts what's going on in your life, and prepare to be astounded. Prepare to be astounded. Dang. Okay. All right. All right, another third, question. Third question. Third and last question on how to regain your power. What do you find is the most probing question that you can ask your clients for them to instantly reveal and see their own limiting self-sabotaging beliefs? Obviously, we had to frame this question for the brilliance that's about to come forth from this man. <laughs> what one question can you ask somebody that will slay them and lay them bare to the naked truth so that they can see how they've been tricking themselves? All right. So me and you are on a phone call, imagine, and you've got some negative emotions that are coming up, right? Reoccurring negative emotional patterns, frustration, annoyance, loneliness, um, uh, whatever it might be. So I say, okay, Focus, what is the dominant negative emotion? You can do this right now. What is the dominant negative emotion you feel most often, right? And yes, we're focusing on the negative. 
And then ask yourself, in order for me to feel that emotion, that negative emotion, what must I believe is true? And that will reveal the answer, which is the limiting belief. And then when you bring that, that limiting belief to the surface, false belief, then you say, in order for me, then you say, I feel that way because, and I feel that way because. So like I say, it's, I'm not good enough. I'm frustrated. I feel stuck. Stuck and powerless are really big. Uh, a lot of dominant emotions people feel. So in order for you to feel stuck or powerless, what must you believe is true? And that answer will come to the surface and then you have to examine that. Change those limiting beliefs because you got to do the belief work. When you do the belief work, it's like the big domino. You knock that down and then all of a sudden you're in a new reality because you changed your vibrational frequency, your point of attraction on the inside. He did this to me yesterday and I was really <laughs> blown away. Instead of asking, what do you need to believe to live the life of your dreams when something's bothering you? Per Andy Dooley, what negative emotion? Like I'm feeling resentment, I'm feeling anger, I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling uh, whatever. What is making that belief possible is his question. Wh what the, are you believing that's making the negative emotion possible? And right away, you're like, well, I feel vulnerable. Well, I don't feel like I have power over that. Well, I feel like they're taking my power away. Well, I feel like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, it's a doozy. So yeah. genius, Dooley. Yeah. Genius, brother. When you pull all this stuff up, you, you pull up all these negative beliefs and you say, okay, what is the real challenge here? What is the real challenge I'm facing? And all of a sudden, <clears throat> you, you pinpoint what's the real challenge and ask yourself, well, what do I really want? Then that gives you clarity on what you really want. Say, okay, in order for me to get what I really want, what would I need to start believing? And then, of course, I have other tools like the transition story, beginning, becoming, and allowing, which are really fun. I'm beginning to get it. I'm becoming more playful. I'm allowing it to be fun. Uh, yeah, a lot of tools in the tool chest. Dang. Well, if you need a life coach, <laughs> use my life coach, okay? Because he is truly amazing. Uh, lots of incredible insights. Uh, I'm honored to be in your company right now. I'm basking in the glow of your aura. Thank you, wise brother. And um, hope you guys have had an awesome Monday tune-up and have the best Monday of your life so far. Any uh, final parting words, Andy Dooley? Uh, where do they find you, Andy Dooley? Uh, AndyDooley.com and Instagram, social media, TikTok, YouTube. But go to AndyDooley.com. And thank you, Mike, for having me as your guest on these spiritual tune-ups. And I got to meet new people, say hi to new people. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Happy Tuesday. May it be the best of your life so far. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up. Thank you so much for your engagement, um, your questions, your waving and following. It really makes a difference. So today's question, how to release old wounds. And specifically, the question went, is there value in revisiting old wounds to find the lesson and then letting them go. How do we actually do that? How do we resolve things so they don't keep coming up? Thanks for the question. Sorry for the pain you're going through. Hey, there's nobody watching right now who hasn't been in that same boat dealing with that same pain. Many watching right this minute are, are in that boat today. <clears throat> there's always something going on in all of our lives, our challenges are invitations for being more amazing than we even knew to ask for. They're not a sign of a problem. 
They're not a sign of failure. They're not a sign of a mistake. So to answer your question bluntly, yes, you can go back there. No problem. There's lots of gifts to be gleaned from revisiting the past. But if, and so often this can be the case, especially if the wound is fresh, if there's a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, a lot of tears, then the best medicine for your rebound is living in the present. You do not have to go and unwind the past and rehash it and relive it again and again to be healed from it. You don't have to figure out the past in order to figure out the future. You know how things work. Your thoughts become things. You're pushed on to greatness. You're the eyes and the ears of God come alive in the dream of life. Everything is here to serve you. So when it hurts too much, pitch it. Don't go there and focus on being in the here and now, who you already are, much easier said than done, I know. Uh, but still, you do the best you can with what you got, and it's always enough. It's always enough. Consider this too. As I wrote this, one of my favorite teachings came to mind, and that is our inclination to succeed. That healing and health and prosperity, financial and otherwise, are all our default settings. And the tangent related to this question is, you're going to heal automatically. We all self-heal all the time. And most of that time, it doesn't come from logically picking apart the past, which can at times do more damage than good. You're going to heal. You're going to move past that. Your entire life is evidence of this. And that you now grapple with something from the past doesn't mean you can't do this and doesn't mean you haven't done it really, really well in the past. You know, haven't you had things in your mind and you look, I'll never get it out of my mind. It's torturing me. It's bothering me. And then eventually, whether days, weeks, or months later, maybe years later, it's completely gone. There's this current of God pouring through us all the time. And it is designed to unhook us and unhinge us from anything unpleasant. The healing is always automatic. Which doesn't mean... You can't go there and perhaps, if it doesn't hurt too much, try to facilitate things. So, you can go there. You don't have to go there. But if you really want to go there, this is what I do. <clears throat> I create a dialogue with the universe, with my higher self. I either think, you can do this going for a walk, or you can type on the computer, or you can write longhand. And you ask the question, why do I hurt so bad? Why does this hurt me? What is going through my head? And as my brother said yesterday, when he joined me for this spiritual tune-up, he said, if you have an unpleasant feeling, ask yourself, um, what is it that you must be believing in order to feel that unpleasant pain? So feel the pain, Put your finger on it and then ask yourself, why does that hurt me? Your first answers will be because the person was mean, because the person was negligent, because the person abused me, because the person took advantage of me. And you're going to have a lot of really good reasons, but that's not the healing yet. 
Okay, those are all really good reasons. Then the next part of the dialogue will be, why do I feel that I can't be happy today? Why have I felt vulnerable? Why have I given my power away when I am an unlimited being of light and I still have the rest of my life, the best of my life ahead of me? Why aren't I choosing to see what happened to me as practice so that I can be more amazing in the future, more untouchable in the future? So ask what is the pain, ask what beliefs you must have, thank you Andy Dooley for, for creating that pain, and then keep that dialogue going and say, does this make sense? Is it true? There's a famous uh, woman author who, whose main tagline is, is that true? Uh, it's the same thing I'm not taking from her, but I'm saying create this dialogue. What, it, what hurts? Why does it hurt? Um, in light of the truth, my indomitable intergalactic love essence, eternal nature, God particle, in light of this greater truth, why am I giving my power to something so small that happened in the past? So you get these dialogues going and it is quite astounding at what you can reveal. But I know from the darkest chapter of my life, it was too much and too painful to try to figure out what was wrong with me because I would have found stuff um, in, in, um, in my thoughts. Uh, and uh, it was easier to just say, look, I don't know how I got here, but I know where I want to go and I'm going to start going there. I'm going to pedal as fast as I can. I am a being of light. My thoughts become things. And then later on, in hindsight, I looked back and it was amazing that what I could see in hindsight was so different than how I saw it when I was going through it. And I saw myself as broken and frail and fragile. Beyond the carnage, I could see myself, uh, I could see the whole circumstances as something setting me up for greater. The healing was automatic. I lived my life and in hindsight, it all made sense and I wouldn't change or trade a day of that dark night of my soul. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here for a spiritual tune-up. It's awesome to be in your company on this magnificent Wednesday. Today's question uh, has shown up a couple of times in the past few days and a couple of times a week ago, and it pertains to politics. Now, I know I went there on July 15th. I talked about the divisiveness and how to deal with it. I talked about the grief of losing friends to political debates. But this take is a little bit different, and it's one that has actually helped me, uh, as human as I am, uh, to also deal with the same kind of question, how to love those with opposite political views. The question was really, you know, how to tolerate those. But it's like, no, don't tolerate. Let's love them. Let's love everyone. We're all just another part of ourselves, okay? You're another part of me. I'm another part of you. And sometimes we might not see things the same way. The question specifically went like this. When I watch the news each night, I'm filled with shock and rage and horror by the unending stream of lies. Now, this is both parties talking about the opposite conventions to the party that they're in. How can I manage this? It, it's, it's easy, okay? It's easy when you put it in context and you stop with the shock and you stop with the emotional attachment and the indignation, which are immediately jettisoned 
with truth. And the truth is, we're all, as Ram Das said, walking each other home. We're all way out there right now, lost in space, thinking the illusions are real. Some of us have many lifetimes under our belt. Others are baby souls, and neither is better. We're all learning the same lessons, and we're all at different points on that loop. So to think one is higher or lower or better or righter or wronger is like so unhelpful. Uh, it was you not long ago who was wrong, 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 jumping to conclusions, and yet you made it to another day because others around you accepted you, had patience, had love. This is what I want you to understand, that the people with opposite political views as you right now simply cannot, cannot see life as you now see it. They're not in that place. They don't have the faculties. They don't have the experience. They don't have the love. They haven't been knocked down. They haven't been raised up. They haven't been around the block, but you have. I mean, you, you can't at, you know, 30 years old, be angry at 13 year olds. I mean, they're just not there yet. You just can't, but you can, you can love them. And in loving them, you show them a way. You don't have to agree with them. Now, as I've laid out before in the talks that are slightly verging on political, I mean, there are great virtues and rays of blazing wisdom in both the left wing and the right wing. Okay, small government. Oh, yeah. Let's look out for each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is unending. Personal responsibility. Wow, that is so cool. Um, but we have more in common than we diverge on. Yet to focus on the things that rile us and to say, oh, you're telling a lie. Well, their context is different. So if you can get that other folks simply cannot see what you see and cut them some slack, you might be able to turn the same spotlight on yourself and wonder what you're not seeing that others are. In some cases, it's irrelevant. In other cases, it may be a higher truth. See, we all come at this thinking like, I know the truth and everyone else is wrong. It's like, well, you got it nailed. You're doing really great. 95% of the time, you're A++. What about that other 5% of the time? I don't think any of us would be so foolish as to say, I'm 100% right all the time. Okay, we might show our tail feathers so much and puff ourselves up in a political debate, we give the impression that we know all. But, but virtually no one is that naive to think they know all. So the question is, how can you bring your game up another level? How can you safeguard that 5% you know nothing of? And the best way you can do that is to cut some slack and give some love to the people who can't see the things that you can see. And if you can do that for them, others in higher places will do that for you. I just read a passage recently in the book I've been telling you about. It's still on my desk, Return of the Bird Tribes, that was really beautiful. And it talks about 
this opportunity at this crossroads in time to ask yourself, are you motivated by fear for yourself more than you're being motivated by love for others? And if you catch yourself with indignation, shock, horror, and awe at the lies or the policies and platforms of the other party, I think you're afraid. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. We're walking each other home right now. And if you cannot be afraid, and you can realize that that 13-year-old wearing uh, the human body of a 45-year-old uh, is just learning their way as you once learned your way, it's going to be a journey into love. And there'll be a lot more love for you. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, welcome to another spiritual tune-up. This one's a doozy. The question that I have received several times since the beginning of these tune-ups back in March is uh, pertaining to mental illness, uh, in particular, depression and psychosis, schizophrenia and the like. And do those folks who suffer accordingly, do their thoughts become the things and events of their life and how can they turn things around when they are so helpless to the disorder to varying degrees first off i got to tell you the obvious uh, i am a recovering certified public accountant i do not give medical advice continue to see your doctor and to take your medicine okay there's no shame there we're all going through a heck of a lot particularly with these energies and transition on planet Earth, the likes of which we've never seen in recorded history. Super exciting time to be alive, but one that tears us in different directions, and it is a lot to embrace. So having said that, as I uh, like to share as well, play both ends to the middle. Consider the woo-woo. Consider what Mike Dooley and others are sharing with you but continue to do the tried and the true, the conventional approach. Play both ends to the middle, and then you take no risks, you take no chances. All right, so first off, <clears throat> depression. Uh, we have all felt depression to some degree or another. Of course, there's a scale, and it can get pretty darn severe, and I know virtually nothing about severe clinical depression. But in such instances, I do draw upon other resources. And while anybody espousing ideas on depression, of which I have no way of verifying, if all else they espoused was phenomenal and blew my mind and total common sense and has helped me live a better life, then I give it a lot of credibility. And as I so often quote, Seth, dictated by the late Jane Roberts. You can look up Jane Roberts as an author at your favorite bookstore. There are a lot of Seth books. Seth is one of the most profound founts of wisdom I have ever come across in the few years I've been on planet Earth. And Seth says about depression that it invariably stems from a feeling of powerlessness. 
that depression stems from a feeling of powerlessness. My hit or miss mild depression, I think that the, to the degree that everyone feels it would certainly validate what Seth has said. And I think it could be extrapolated to any severe form of depression. Let me say, from my perspectives, my opinion is that when we have a jumbled mind of conflicting beliefs, feeling vulnerable, feeling that life is a test, feeling that there is no divine intelligence, or thinking that divine intelligence put you here to test you, judge you, and sentence you, and you only have one life to live, so you better get it right. Oh my gosh. That kind of scrambled eggs in your brain will lead to a sense of powerlessness, will lead to unpredictable manifestations and a lot of unintended manifestations, and will lead to chemical imbalances in your head that perhaps there's no better way to cure at this stage in our evolution than through medicine and um, counseling. By all means, go there. I would like to suggest that nobody think that they are a victim of wonky chemistry or wonky biology and it's just hit them randomly for no reason while other people got off um, scot-free. Uh, that is an abdication of power. That's an abdication of responsibility. And it's going to make it much harder to heal. So when it comes to any form of unpleasant emotions, to the degree prior to psychosis, I'll talk about that next. Prior to psychosis, any degree of unpleasant emotions, see yourself and your confused mind as the cause and approach it by asking bigger questions. Now, why do I see myself as vulnerable? Why don't I go out more into the world? What is holding me back? What's creating this resistance? What did my parents tell me with loving hearts that didn't serve me? And do this self-reflection while simultaneously doing the therapy and taking the medications to cover both ends from the middle. No harm will be done. There is no shame in seeing a doctor. I see doctors all the time. Um, and generally we do in these primitive jungles of time and space at this early arc in our evolution. So do some self-reflecting. This does not mean it's your fault. This does not mean that I am blaming you. This does not mean any of those things where people say, oh, this is law of attraction, um, blame the victim mentality. Go look at my earlier tune-ups in March and April where I talk specifically about the failed, broken concept of blame the victim. Nobody's blaming anybody. We're adventurers here to learn of our power in this beautiful oasis where there are infinite possibilities and we are pushed on to greatness every single day. And every single day we get closer to that. You are healing. That you're listening to this right now is not an accident. And there are brighter days ahead. Let me speak a little bit to psychosis, of which I really know nothing, except that we are creators. Um, the earlier question was, do people suffering depression or psychosis, do their thoughts still become things? Yes, there is just never a turnoff. Although when it comes to healing from something like psychosis, which clearly was brought about by a gigantic, um, pivotal, uh, circumstance, violation, extreme, um, it's naive and hurtful, harmful 
to imply, well, thoughts become things, so just think some new thoughts and you're going to be better. That's just shallow and um, not reflective of what's going on. So while their thoughts still become things, if there's extreme psychosis and schizophrenia going on, I mean, there's like, uh, it's like thoughts are firing in every single direction. And as we all know, and as I've read, in time and space, there's this safety catch. Uh, there's this delay in all manifestations so that you're not going from elephants flying and pigs flying and uh, cars turning into porcupines and um, houses disappearing. There's a slow evolution for all manifestations, which safeguards us from all kinds of instantaneous chaos. Okay, so while somebody is firing like a pinball, ping, pinball machine in their head, um, imbalanced, contradictory thoughts, they're not all becoming things simultaneously. It's the ones that they feel the most, that they move with the most, just like for all of us who are not in psychosis, that will ultimately become the things and events of, our, uh, of their lives. So in these cases, when there has been some extreme condition that brought about the psychosis, which could have happened recently or in childhood or truly, literally in a prior life. Um, there is such an imbalance, chemical and otherwise, brought about by earlier experiences that much more needs to be brought to bear to bring about a proper healing. Of course, doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and, and, and the instructions that they may issue forth with a concerted effort by the person going through it and a will to the degree that they can muster it um, to make change and make improvement. I, I don't have much more to share on that. Um, I think the question, you know, if thoughts become things and somebody's suffering from psychosis, you know, did they bring this on themselves? And can they think their way out of it? It's much more complicated than that. And as I said two days ago, when there is something really difficult you want to extract yourself from, it's better not to even think about how did I get here, but to deal with here and go forward. And if it's somebody suffering from schizophrenia, then with their team and their loved ones, and maybe it's a loved one who asked this question, um, what's most important is not going back, but living in the moment and going forward. Um, joy, peace, calm, best medicine on earth, nature. Um, there is no such thing as the lost soul. Everyone can heal. Everyone is healing. Life is a nonstop healing. Everything is here for us. We're guided and protected by divine intelligence. This is happening in the heart of God. There are angels galore um, and everything will be supremely well. So those things that really vex you and you just can't get a handle on, don't try to understand them. Know that there's order and do what you can to move forward from that with a glad heart. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Friday. Here we go for the last tune-up of the week. Uh, a great question posted by somebody out there. Thank you very much. The question today is, is karma why some lives seem more challenging? 
is karma why some lives seem more challenging? Well, to answer that, I've got three things that make a life hard, and they are not karma. First, to dispel the notion of karma as it's typically understood. I've done an entire tune-up on karma. If you look at the archives here, um, it is not a judgment-based system. Um, it is not a demerit system. It is not a point-based system. Anyone and everyone can be off the karmic loop, so to speak, with more enlightenment and more understanding. Karma has zero to do with the ease or difficulty of a life. Your mindset has everything to do with the ease or difficulty of your life. So not to worry about who you were in the 12th century, okay? You're off the hook. Um, let's look at what most people think creates a hard or challenging life. And then I'm going to give you the three, the three real reasons. Most people think that a challenging life boils down to circumstances, completely oblivious to the fact that we are the orchestrator of our own circumstances. We are therefore greater than our own circumstances. Our dreams can come true. They're, they're snapshots of what's possible for us. And our nightmares are dreams that we shouldn't be entertaining anymore. So often people will think that, you know, poverty, poverty, that's a hard life. Um, being unattractive, physically unattractive, that would really suck. Um, having terrible or no parents at all, that would really make a hard life. Or would those things make a hard life? On their surface, their circumstances, and they do not dictate whatsoever how the life will go. Flip it. The wealthy person, that'd be a hard life. You know, everything's handed to you. You never learn personal responsibility. Being super physically attractive when everyone just fawns all over you, you'd never really get a sense of what reality is like. You would be misguided. Um, having parents that fed you with a silver spoon to the degree that you never learn to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, all of those scenarios could create a cursed life or a blessed life, it's up to you. We choose the stage, the platform, the general physical appearance, who our parents will or won't be, so that we will have certain likely probabilities for growth, adventure, love, and joy. Okay, that's the nature and the direction initially for all lifetimes. So what are the three things that can make a life really challenging? Number one, resistance, aka denial, which is a form of resistance. Resisting the urge to go outside, resisting the urge to leave your comfort zone, denying who you really are, denying the validity of your dreams. Just kind of like, ah, I don't want to do it. I don't really need to do it. There's other ways I could get there than to do it. Resistance will set you up for a very challenging life because the thing that you're resisting is life itself and you're going down. 
You're never going to win. You're never going to prevail over the universe. The currents of life are going. Go with them and you'll find there's nothing to resist. That it takes you to the right place at the right time with the right people. No problemo. Whereas you're resisting means you're micromanaging. And whether you have a billion dollars or zero dollars, your life will be absolute drudgery. So when you catch yourself resisting and everyone's entitled to a day off or a sleep in, uh, think twice. Number two, perspective. Poorly chosen perspectives can lead to a sucky life where you feel utterly powerless. Everything is here for you. Everything is playing to your greater good. View this all with spiritual lenses and you will always see the glass half full. Another way to put this is, as many say, life and challenges are not happening to you. They're happening for you. They really are. It's not just a perspective, but it feels like a perspective. So choose your perspectives wisely. Otherwise, you throw your power to change circumstances out the window. And the third reason that a life can be super challenging Excuse my French here, but um, ignorance, stupidity. To be very friendly, I'll say naivety. We all have the ability to know the truth about those things that affect our happiness. Okay, and to play naive, to play the victim, to feign or fawn your vulnerability um, will set the wolves howling. One of my favorite notes from the universe, a real short one, said something to the effect of um, the best defense, no, the best offense, no, the best defense is no offense. I, th I think that's how it goes. Oh, oh, when you, when you act in defense of yourself, you bring out the offense in others. It was said much better by the universe. Uh, and I mixed up a few different notes there. But when you're just being defensive, you know, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. You are implying and telling your inner witness that this is a big, bad, cruel world and you better stick up for yourself. Otherwise, you'll be taken advantage of. That's ignorance. This is not a big, bad, cruel world. This is happening and unplaying in the heart of God right now. You are pushed on to greatness with positive thoughts 10,000 times more powerful than negative thoughts. But if you want to play because your parents played in a realm where God is an angry white man, that's ignorant, okay? You know better. You have the faculties to connect some dots. If you want to play that karma is biting your butt, that too is ignorance. And this could go on and on and on until one day you wake up and say, hey, enough of that. I am all this and I'm going to do what I want to do on my terms, in my way, and the whole world will benefit. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend, uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration, every single day I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.